0: Very warm welcome, gentle listeners tuning in from way out there in Radio Land. You are listening to the JVTC Radio Half Hour and our penultimate, that's second to last, installment of the Extraordinary Adventures of Arsène Lupin. Tonight's mystery, The Black Pearl, is so spine-tingling that we ask those of you with weak constitutions to turn up the volume. Without further ado, let us open our Chilling Tale in the scariest of settings. A mediocre apartment building with subpar security.
1: Ugh, what time is it? It's either too late or too early for whoever's ringing the bell, I can tell you that much. Be grateful you don't have to arouse yourself to deal with it, sister. Unlike some people who don't work and live off the kindness of others, (coughs) I'm the concierge of this building and the tenants would toss me out on the street if I didn't- Do whatever you need to do. Just don't let the chill in. My own sister, acting as though I'm living in her home.
2: Thank God you answered the door, madame. It's an emergency. Is Dr. Herr in?
1: Yes, but he's not seeing any patients at the moment because it's three o'clock in the morning, young fellow.
2: Please, allow me to disturb him with my emergency, madame, and I will stop disturbing you, yes? You can return to your comfortable, cozy warm bed, snuggling close to your dear one.
1: Dear one! <laughs> That's a laugh. My husband stopped being dear to me when he took up with his secretary. Very well, but be quick about it. The doctor doesn't like to be disturbed at this time. I do beg your pardon, monsieur. Hey, don't be stomping up the stairs like that, you hooligan. You're making noise and will wake everyone up. Keep it down.
2: My apologies, madame. I will proceed as quietly as a deep-clawed cat wearing woolen mittens. Ah. She's returning to her rooms. I knew that concierge would be troubled, but only for a moment. Pathetic and paltry obstacles, the likes of me. Arsène Lupin. <laughs> oh, mon dieu. I need to keep my wits about me and be as silent as death, more invisible than darkness itself. Now to work. At last, I've reached the fifth floor. Who would have thought the glamorous and majestic Countess Leotin Zalti would have been reduced to living in a third-rate dump like this place? Oh, what I would have given to merely lay my eyes and hands on what her vast fortune was before her household fell into ruin. I read somewhere that if you stacked the piles of jewels and cash up against the pyramids at Giza, the Zalti fortune would have been higher. Here's the door to her apartment. As always, get the right tools for the job. Best to go with the classics hook pick, tension wrench, and rake pick. The three musketeers. One for all, and all for Lupin. Merci, toi, ami. The rooms are laid out in the blueprints thusly. Cook's room is down the corridor that way. The Countess's companion's room is opposite the cook's, which means the countess herself is all the way at the other end of the apartment. This way. It's a good thing the poor woman has no taste. No extra temptations to distract me from my target. The only thing Countess Zelti kept from that massive fortune, the Black Pearl. Just saying its name makes my heart pound. Steady, Lupin. Now is no time to lose your head. Still, the Bauble's worth is matched only by its exquisite beauty. No wonder the Countess never let it out of her sight. Here is the glass door to her rooms. Is it bolted? I'll try it first. Fortune smiles upon me once more. Ah, the life of a burglar. Nothing can match the thrill, the joy of it. All that needs to be done now is to feel my way to the table in the darkness and a black pearl will be hidden somewhere. I've reached the table already? No candlestick. On floor. And what's this next to it? A shattered clock? And what is that uncomfortably familiar smell? Metallic. But not the good metallic. <sighs> I hate to do this, but something isn't right here. Let me light my small lantern and get a closer look from here on the floor. Mon Dieu! Blood! And the countess? Dead? Such an end for such a beauty. Stabbed brutally and left to bleed out in a drab, mediocre apartment. And judging by the state of the table, the pearl is gone. So much blood? No treasure. Dead former aristocrat. I need to sit down and take a moment to think. My brain feels like a ragu. How on earth did this happen? I must find out.
1: Get you another one, Inspector Ganima? Sure.
3: Why not?
1: Tough week?
3: You don't know the it. It started out with this murder case, and I'm running on my way to meet the judge involved. Judge Breton? Judge Breton, I came as soon as word reached my office.
4: Ah, oh, Ganimard, so glad you could make it. We've just been discussing the case, and you wouldn't believe...
3: The, the case involving the murder of Countess Zalti and the theft of her most prized possession, the Black Pearl... I familiarize myself with the notes of the report before getting here. I pride myself Don't on. Don't interrupt aware of me
4: the- when I'm summarizing, Ganimard. Or I will get a telegram to your superintendent so fast your head will spin. Is that clear? Good. I've just been going over the details with our public prosecutor, Blanchard.
5: Salute, Inspector.
3: Salute.
4: Salute. That's. Bonjour to you, you... <clears throat> we contacted you because you seem to have an uncanny ability to make leaps of logic that advance cases towards a resolution.
5: And quite frankly, we'd like to get this case off the docket as soon as possible.
3: You've got the right person for the job, Judge Breton. And I already have a working theory.
4: Ganymede, it'd better not be... <laughs>
3: ...is behind this caper, sir. Mark
4: my word. What did I just say about interrupting?
5: Oh, <laughs> is this the guy who always thinks
3: Lupin did it?
4: Correct, Blanchard. Now... Because
3: uh, he is behind it, Blanchard.
4: I'm serious, you
3: two. You... Lupin is at the bottom of this whole affair. I'm sure of it.
5: This was a mistake, Your Honor. He has Lupin on the brain. He sees him
3: everywhere. Because... He is everywhere. I've half a mind to tug on your face to see if you're Lupin wearing a disguise. Because you're aggravating me almost as much as he does.
4: Now that's enough. The pair of you sit down. Ganimard, we already have a prime suspect. It's the Countess's servant, Victor Dinage.
3: I see. What evidence do you have to support that this Denarge fellow did it?
5: We have copious amounts of evidence, as it turns out.
3: Do tell. If you'd be so kind.
5: When the police searched Victor Dinage's room, they found his work waistcoat hidden between his mattresses and speckled with blood. There was a button missing on that waistcoat, and they found the button under the Countess's bed.
3: That certainly is incriminating. Were the gendarme able to find any weapons, a knife, a dagger, even a shaving razor? Uh, why would we need the weapon? We have the bloody waistcoat. He could have gotten the blood on his waistcoat, attempting to help her. At least that's what his lawyers might say. Is there any evidence that places Denarge at the scene? The coroner said the countess died at 11 o'clock at night. And Denarge doesn't live in the apartment the way the cook and her companion do, so... How did he get in and out of the place?
5: Aren't you
3: the detective?
5: Why are you asking me something you already likely can answer? Are you trying to make me look stupid? Eh?
3: I'm not trying to. No.
5: Oh, good. As you have likely already surmised, he probably had a key. I don't know, and and it's irrelevant. We have the bloody waistcoat.
3: If this is open and shut, why have you called me in?
4: I appreciate you applying your investigative mind to the case, Ganimard, but we just wanted a third set of eyes on it. The man had a key. Let himself in. Killed the woman. Took the pearl. And let himself out. Isn't that sound enough for you to be convinced it was not, Lupin? Is this key real? Or only in your theory, Blanchard?
5: It's a theory but it's a strong enough one.
4: Indeed it is, and I'm sure the key will be located and produced as evidence for the trial. Good day, Gadimald. But, Judge... I said good day, sir.
1: That's quite a yarn. How did it turn out? I am not one for reading the papers. Ignorance is bliss, so I say...
3: Sure enough, Denar's counsel pointed out all the inconsistencies I had suggested. Trial's been going on all week. Slow and tedious, just the way the lawyers like it.
1: Then why so down in the dumps, Inspector? Your point got proven, at least. Also, this is for you. Compliments of the fellow a few seats over. <laughs>
3: Many thanks, friend, but who the devil are you?
2: My cat, good sir.
3: Beg pardon, give this to the bartender. I can't seem to make out the words terribly well at the moment.
1: Says Grimardin, ex-inspector of the detective force, private business transacted. Seems legitimate.
3: Please forgive me,
2: Inspector. But I couldn't help but overhear some of the details of your admittedly terrible week.
3: Thanks. What's worse, that scum Victor Denarge was acquitted this morning.
2: No, but they had the bloody waistcoat.
3: That bastard gets to walk free to to steal more black pearls, kill more old countesses. Sure, my points got proven... But if only I had made them more strongly to the judge in that torp-blanchard. If only I had pressed harder. Forced them to listen to my Captain theory-
2: Mard, I have only just met you at this very moment.
3: But I am certain
2: that if you were making a point to someone, there would be no lacking in its force or conviction.
3: Thank you. Wait. How do you know my name is Gannemart?
2: Ah, well, uh, you are famous, no? The name is well known in the circles I run in.
3: Now see whatever you said your name is. I've actually been thinking about quitting the Surritae and going the private route, like you. The system is so broken, I don't know which pieces to glue together anymore.
2: No! You must not quit. Who will capture Lupin and bring him to justice? No one has come close except you, Inspector.
3: Well, sure. But couldn't I just do that as a private investigator?
2: Oh, there's that incisive investigator's mind that would be wasted on keeping it all to yourself if you went private. Enough of that talk now, thank you.
3: Sorry, I didn't mean to upset you.
2: I'm not upset. Did I sound upset? Why would you think I was upset? anyway, you said you had familiarized yourself with the case, What else did you find out that could have resulted in an acquittal this morning?
3: Well, at 7 o'clock, Denarge went to the tobacconist. Both the concierge and the tobacconist confirmed this. I know that that has to be true. One of the gendarmes from the East Bank branch goes there, and he was there that fateful night. Swears up and down, Denarge was there. Now, The cook and the countess's companion checked the doors to the countess's bedroom and kitchen at 8 o'clock. Both were locked. They've both been in the countess's employ for 20 years, beyond reproach.
2: This is like a story I read in the paper about a murder in a room that was locked from the inside, and no trace of the killer to be found. I believe the inspector was some fellow in England by the name of... uh... Houses? No, no, that's not right. Anyway, perhaps he should be rung up to help out here, too.
3: I need no other help in this case than what is already obvious. At 11 o'clock, the poor girl dies. The black pearl is nowhere to be found. That answer your question, Lupin? What? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've forgotten your name. And maybe they're right. I've got Lupin on the brain. What was your name again?
2: He's right there on the cow. Thank you kindly for the lovely chat, Inspector, and I wish you a pleasant evening. Who knows? Maybe justice will still be carried out. Judging from how much you've had to drink tonight, so will you. <laughs> Tata.
6: <sighs> Here. I'll rest here at this inn. I have to. I can't take much more of this weather. Traveling on new food or water. Hello? Is there anyone here?
7: All right, all right. Hold your horses. Can I help you? Good grief, son. You look affright and soaked to the bone. You must need a room.
6: I have no money for a room, sir. Uh, But I can do any odd jobs you may have for some food and lodging.
7: Hmm. Well enough. uh, My wife is sick, so that may work out fine. Get in out of the rain, monsieur. Uh,
6: Dufour. Uh, Anatole Dufour.
7: Very well. Stein here, Mr. Dufour. Merci. Sit there by the fire, and I'll be back with soup. And the bread.
6: (sighs) What a relief. Ever since the trial ended, it's felt like someone was right at my heels. Every turn I took, they took too. Any shortcut they seem to know about. I should be far enough away from the city that no one will know who I really am. One hopes.
7: Oh God. All right, all right, I'm coming. Sheesh, when it rains. Can I help you, sir?
2: Table, meat, wine.
7: As you wish, Monsieur Grimaudan. Would you care to sit near the fire?
2: With pleasure.
7: At least you'll have company. Back in a minute, monsieur. Fire
2: feels good on a night like tonight, n'est-ce pas? yes how long were you out in that storm?
6: too long
2: i can imagine
7: bon appetit gentlemen monsieur Dufo, you may sleep in the box bed in the kitchen tomorrow i'll have plenty for you to do thank you sir
2: would you care for some wine Ah, uh, yes, please. There you are. May I propose a toast? Uh, to your health, Victor Denarge. <coughs> uh,
6: Denarge? Uh, no, I'm sorry. You're mistaken. My name is Anatole Dufour. You can ask the innkeeper.
2: <laughs> yes. You are Anatole Dufour to the innkeeper of this lovely establishment, and yet you are also Victor Danage to the officers of the law. My card.
6: Hmm. Grimaldin, ex inspector of the detective force, private business transacted? Seems legitimate. You work with the police? Uh, mind you, I'm not admitting to this other name.
2: Uh, sometimes I do collaborate with the Suerte, yes. This time, though, no. I've been sent by the estate of the Countess Zalti to recover the black pearl.
6: Uh, what black pearl? Uh,
2: the one you stole, Monsieur D'Ange. Is there another?
6: No. Uh, that is, if I had it, then I would be the murderer of the Countess.
2: You are the murderer.
6: I heard it wasn't able to be proven in court. The jury had a unanimous verdict of acquittal. Now, if you'll excuse me... Ah! My arm! Let go of me!
2: I will, after you admit to being the nage.
6: I have no other choice, it seems. Fine, I am he. What are you going to do about it, then?
2: Listen to this well, Stenalge. Three weeks before the murder, you absconded with the cook's key to the servant's door and had a duplicate key made.
6: That's a lie. A lie. There is no such key. Interesting.
2: Interesting. So this funny little key-looking thing I've just pulled out of your pocket would in actuality be a sandwich?
6: That could be any key to any door in a city of millions of them.
2: You killed the Countess with a knife you purchased at the Bazaar de la Republique on the same day that you ordered this duplicate key be made. It has a triangular blade with a groove running from end to end.
6: You're just guessing aloud at something you know nothing about. No one has ever even seen the knife that murdered the Countess.
2: Strange. I guess this knife-looking thing I had in my cape is actually a trombone. Ah, so sad the way the mind plays tricks on us. Unless you're the locksmith and clerk at the metalsmiths where you got the key and knife made, their minds are like steel traps. No offense to the metalsmith in that regard. Hmm.
6: Impressive enough, Monsieur Grimaldin. But it won't be enough, will it? Nothing places me directly at the scene of the crime. The cook could have made that duplicate key. The knife was for private
2: use. Stop, Monsieur Denange, before you hurt yourself. Someone as clumsy as you should be careful not to lean against a wall and smear blood on it. With your hand and prints... Did you know about this magnificent thing called the Bertillon system? Turns out, all we need is one fingerprint. You so generously left us five.
6: Let's let's say I give you the pearl. Uh, How much would you give me for it?
5: Oh, (laughs) nothing.
6: (laughs) What? This thing is worth hundreds of thousands of francs.
2: And your life? What's that worth to you? You can't sell that thing to anyone, Tanage. I go to the police and courts with this evidence, and it's getting traced to them as easily as I traced it to you.
6: Fine. I'll pawn it. I could get something for it.
2: It takes time to find a pawnbroker willing to take something of such renown as that from someone. And time is something you've been running out of since you stole it. The police were ready to lock you away in the first place. Imagine how much more motivation they'll have when I bring my evidence to them. Have you ever had Inspector Ganimard on your heels? Chasing you all across the globe? Trust me, you don't want that.
6: Very well. I'll take you to it. When do you want it? Not I'm like the present. Let us go. (sighs) There's the tobacconists. The pearl should be right here, on this street.
2: Great, will you hurry it up? It's pouring.
6: It's there, right there in front of you.
2: Don't play jokes with me, Dinage.
6: I swear on my life, sir, since that's what's at stake here. It's there right there between those two paving stones.
2: Which two stones? There's hundreds of them.
6: Look for it. Why don't you? I've got nothing left. Denage!
2: you fainted.
6: I haven't had anything to eat in five days, weeks. I don't even remember at this point. The last time I ate well was before my arrest. I don't want to starve to death, monsieur. Will you give me anything for this information I have given you?
2: How much do you want?
6: Enough for a steerage ticket to America, and just 100 for me to survive on until I can find work there. You shall have
2: two hundred, once you tell me where the pearl is.
6: Count the paving stones to the right of the sewer hole. The pearl is between the twelfth and the thirteenth one.
2: You hid the pearl in the depth between the two paving stones closest to the gutter?
6: No one looks at the gutter, and definitely no one would be looking for anything that priceless in the street. Uh,
2: it's such a wet night. And you're certain it's there?
6: Yes, it's just a dig in the earth between the stones. I swear to you, it's there.
2: Oh god, this is disgusting. Aha! There you are, buried amidst the filth, ignored by passerby. And yet, I hold you up to the moon, and it's a whole eclipse made of pure beauty. Black pearl. Mine at last! <laughs> oh, just look at you. The reason Empire's eyes and fall. The reason women and men live and die. Here in the palm of my hand. I don't think I could even bear to fence you. Pretty thing that you are. <laughs> oh, what is that piercing my side?
6: You... Shouldn't have taken your hands off the knife, Monsieur Megramalbin. Hand over the pearl, or the blade will pierce more than your clothes.
2: I applaud your double cross, Denange. But your reach exceeds your grasp as usual. You want the pearl that badly? Should it replace your eye? Ah! Ah, you beast! A beast am I. Do the beast offer you the best advice you could ever get if you plan to live a life outside of the law? Don't. <coughs> be. sloppy. If you intend to rob a woman, just rob her and don't kill her. If you kill someone, by heaven, clean up after yourself. Don't just leave a gold mine of material in your own apartment so that any interested party could come along and say ...frame you for the actual crime you committed in a way that led to a perfect conviction... ...practically served up to the Sreate on a platter... ...but they still somehow managed to screw up even that in due process!
6: Wait, are you saying you were involved in
2: that investigation? You pitiful walking charade of a thief! I am the reason the investigation even happened! I saw your bloody handprint on the wall and saw it only fitting to fill in the rest of the details so that no one would make the mistake of accusing or arresting anyone else.
6: How dare you call me a charade of a thief. What would you know about the business of high-class robbery?
2: Boy! I literally wrote the book on it. I'm Marcel Lupin.
6: You set me up to be arrested? You hunted me? When I wasn't convicted, you tricked me out of the peril and bashed my face in with the very treasure I sold my soul for You monster
2: bold talk from a murderer of old ladies for their du
6: Why I own
2: You take one more step, Denange, and I'll see that you join Madame Zalpi. I'm letting you live. Go to America to perfect your craft. They operate from the ideal school of thought for a man such as you. Just remember, don't be sloppy.
0: If tonight's adventure proves anything, it's that treasure is found in the most overlooked places. But don't go digging in the sewers unless you've got the promise from an acquitted murderer to go on. Tune in next month for the thrilling final installment of The Extraordinary Adventures of Arsène Lupin, right here on the JVTC Radio Half Hour.
8: The Extraordinary Adventures of Arsène Lupin, The Black Pearl, was based on the short story by Maurice LeBlanc and adapted by Chelsea Cook and Jake Lewis. This episode was directed and edited by Jake Lewis. And featuring the voice talents of Stephanie Wolfe as the announcer, Elena Tunison as the concierge, Peyton Avery as the concierge's sister, Sven Weiberg as Lupin and Grimaudin, Donna Davis as the bartender, Mark O'Donnell as Ganimard, Phil Chin as Scott Weigand as Blanchard Denarge, and John Workman as the innkeeper. The theme song, The Jazzy Detective, was composed by John Bartman. All other music and sound effects were located within the public domain. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to be notified when the next episode is available and find out more information at www.shakespearebtc.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.